Part two of A World Without a Child from Visions by Colson Kernahan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Leeson. A World Without a Child. Part two. One. In my dream I looked upon the world, and, as a peach hangs by the wall, so the world seemed to me to hang against the wall of the heavens like overripe fruit, ready to drop off and fall away from the world-tree which stands in God's great garden of the skies. The clock of the world was running down, and God's hand would wind it never again. The generation upon which I looked was to be the world's last, for the life of the world had become a fire that has no power to kindle new flame, and so must burn itself out into eternal dark. The world was dying, but as yet the world knew it not, for many there were who discoursed learnedly of sunspots and star changes, of diverted warm streams from the south, and floating iceberg islands and continents from the north, which, by chilling the world's atmosphere, had confused the seasons and so affected life on the globe. But at last there came a time when, watching the more thoughtful and more observant, I saw upon their faces some puckering as of undefined perplexity. Just as at the approach of a thunderstorm there falls upon nature, even before thunderclouds appear, a sudden hush, a rumor as of coming disaster, which drives the cattle of the field, the creatures of the air, to shelter, so over city and country there lay a sense of impending calamity. Men and women seemed dimly to realize that a change was taking place, of the exact nature of which they were not as yet aware. They would stop in their walking or in their talking to peer queerly about them, like those to whom familiar surroundings seem suddenly to have grown unfamiliar, but who fear to speak what is in their thoughts lest they be ridiculed of their fellows. Yet each day the faces, upon which uneasiness was written, multiplied, and I saw that both men and women began to look furtively, fearsomely, strangely, at each other. And with reason, for now I saw that women were fast losing their woman's loveliness, men their manhood's splendor and strength. In all the world there is no love-light so divine as the light which shines in the eyes of a father, of a mother, at first sight of their child. In all the world there is no sight more sweet, more sacred, more solemn, than the sight of the little child lying sheltered on the bosom of the mother, who, in her turn, seeks loving shelter and shepherding from the strong man, against whose protecting breast she leans. It is in fatherhood, in motherhood, that men and women become likest God, since in a sense they are permitted to share with Him the joy and the mystery, the majesty and awe and wonder of creation. For this were they born into the world, born as it were in the purple. When man and woman, youth and maiden, love each other purely and truly, then be their place high or be it humble, they become princes and princesses by right of succession and by right of royal birth, then to them comes naturally the voice and the manner of courts, and when they marry, be their home, cottage, or be it castle, they shall enter it as a prince and princess into a palace. But they shall come to higher estate than this. There be who maintain that love and life are consummated by the coming together in marriage of those who love, but so to speak is to misread the sacred mysteries is the means to an end of more moment than the end itself? 
is it the scattering of the grain in springtime or the reaping of the ripe corn at harvest which crowns the husbandman's year when a man becomes a father a woman a mother then is he a king and a creator indeed then is she a queen and crowned with the rarest diadem that womanhood may wear it is that men and women may be drawn together in love and marriage thereby to carry on the work of creation which god himself has begun that earth may not be lacking in the laughter of little children nor heaven in the lovely light upon the face of angels who of their purity may see god it is for this that god makes women divinely fair makes men straight and strong and fearless but now from the faces and forms of the women upon whom i looked something of the fairness and sweetness of womanhood were gone from the faces and figures of the men much of their manly beauty and strength they were like flowers upon whom the frost has fallen and that wither blossomless and seedless upon their stalks they were kings and queens of love no longer but base-born subjects and thralls of lust and of their lust came not love nor affection nor even liking but hatred and scorn and of their hatred and scorn came fear fear of each other fear of foe and fear of friend for now at last they knew that they walked a world whose days were numbered what had been but a rumour in the air a whisper in the ear soon came to be murmured under the breath in the market-place then to be openly discussed in the streets and at last to be shouted from the housetops for springtime had come again but with it had come no new flower no new bud on bush or tree springtime had come again but with it had come no new bird no new beast nor creature of any kind springtime had come again but with it had come no new child wherefore men and women looked into each other's faces and were afraid for they knew now that the end of the world was nigh two then madness seized them they were like shipwrecked sailors who hopeless of rescue and knowing that ere long they must be sucked under of the waters seek to evade the horror of the last awful moment by stupefying themselves with drink but that the winter of the world had come that last winter to which shall succeed no spring was now plain to all and men cursed the fate by which their time on earth had fallen at such a season why should we of all earth's generations be thus singled out they said to come into the world only to witness and to share in the world's doom to our fathers and our fathers fathers one cried life was a v-shaped vista of happiness a starting point there was and this starting point men called birth but the arms of the v opened out broadening on either side in a sweep so wide as to embrace the whole visible world and stretching unendingly on into eternity now the v of life's vista is inverted we men and women walk its ever narrowing sides and as we walk the point where the sides run together in eternal dark the point where there is no outlet and no turning back is even now in sight where lurks he god or devil who has thus lured us into life's cul-de-sac let him come forth that we may have speech of him sight of him and curse him for a monster ere we die then when the outbreak of blasphemy had spent itself there came a season of reaction 
as a condemned prisoner sits hunched or huddled in his cell body and limbs ice-cold and motionless as if carved in stone the brain and the burning eyes of him all that is alive as he sits unseeing for all his stare unthinking for all his intentness every mental faculty fixed and focused upon his approaching fate so men and women sat or stood or walked apart in the sullenness of despair the world was settling itself down to die three when again in my dream i looked upon the world i knew that the end was not far some twenty years or more must have passed since the world's doom was first pronounced those who had then been children were now women and men of those who had then been women and men some were middle-aged others were old and gray and many were dead the faces of all were strangely changed but whereas the men seemed stern and worn and haggard the faces of the women seemed to me to have regained all and more than all of woman's loveliness sad-faced they were even as she who was honored above all women but so beautiful so divine were they in their sorrow that it was not difficult to understand how it is that men and women can see in the virgin mother that supremest type of pure and perfect and sorrowing womanhood something of such sacred beauty that they are tempted to forget her humanity and to yield to her such homage as should be accorded only to her divine son most sad it was to see the younger women gather around one who was stricken in years dear mother one of them said we were children ourselves when god called the green grass and the flowers and the young creatures of every sort and the little children back to himself and so we remember not the world as the world was then will you not tell us of it again ah the world as it was then sighed the old woman i wonder whether any of us realized how beautiful it was in those days the wind which now blows scentless and joyless on our cheeks would come on june mornings to call in at my window lie abed lie abed he would say while you slept i have been a-haymaking this many an hour tossing the moaned sweetness aloft tumbling it toying with it diving into warm ungathered waves of it as a swimmer dives into the sea and then like the swimmer coming laughingly to the surface to shake myself free of the sweet foam and spray of the fields as he shakes himself free of the salt foam and spray of the sea but now the wind comes to us no more to whisper of the sweetness of hayfields for the solace of green grass nowhere makes glad the eye dear god i had not thought so to have missed the grass i am not sure that i do not miss it even more than i miss the flowers in them much as i loved them i miss but the exquisite broidery on nature's mantle but by the loss of the grass nature seems to have been ravished of the robe which covers her nakedness and she cowers shamed unbefriended and shivering before me tell us again of the flowers dear mother pleaded a listener ah the flowers cried the old woman brokenly the flowers the very heart within me grows faint with the sickness of my longing 
the earliest snowdrops those nuns among the flowers crystal chaste and celibate from birth which it may be we first see standing little sisters of the poor beside some humble door or in some cottage garden wearing the white robe of their order and with downcast eyes and drooped head that they may not so much as look on evil sometimes i think of them as dear children who have crept too early from bed and so stand with little bare feet and inclined head listening for the step of old nurse nature and ready should she chide to scamper back and hide beneath the coverlet of snow when first i saw the snowdrops i was as sure there is a god in whom purity and love and loveliness abide as if that god had himself stooped down from heaven to give them to me and never did this soul of mine utter itself forth in intenser purer prayer than when i first saw the miracle of the snowdrops green and silver bells among the snow yet scarcely had i assured myself that this or that flower the snowdrop or the wood anemone was indeed come before it was gone again and i remember that to me it was as if i had let the angel soul of some dear one from heaven come hither and return with cold ungrateful welcome the secret of the flowers god never lets us make our own and now said another voice softly speak to us of childhood and little children childhood answered the old woman was in those happy days the magic fountain at which we who were old drank to renew our youth looking upon those sweet child faces we grew young again even as now looking only upon the faces of the aged we grow old before our time life was then an unending chain of flowers which god's own hand was day by day drawing upward from earth to heaven and to himself each of us was a single flower a single link upon the chain and though many of those we loved passed upward and out of sight we knew that they had come to a fairer garden whither the father of flowers and little children would one day call us and whither in god's good time those we loved and left behind would follow in their turn but now it is as if the flower chain lay bruised and broken god's hand draws us heavenward no more and we are become worthless as weeds that die and wither unwept it is as if we had neither child on earth nor father in heaven around our dying bed neither son nor daughter of ours shall gather in love's last tender ministry our darkening eyes no dear familiar touch shall close our failing hands our children's hands may never hold in life's last moments nor cross upon our breast when life has fled a world without a child broke in another woman a world without a child and women in it one had thought that finding herself in such a world every woman had slain herself or had not dared to be seen save betwixt the twilight and the dawn into london's river many an erring woman has leapt rather than become a mother ere yet she was a wife from london's bridges many a poor creature weary of a life of shame has cast herself and wherein is our estate more honourable than hers a world without a child yet a world in which men and women for lust's sake make counterfeit love for lust and lucre's sake make believe to marry for how can they be man and wife whom god has for all time put asunder 
sister woman upon the very earth we tread the shadow of our shame has fallen this earth has become human as we are a woman as we are sterile even as we our mother no longer since because of our sin she is pregnant with new life no more happy are ye who are young for knowing not the world as it was you know not what you have lost a world without a child the silence of it dear god that silence hammers at my ears more loudly than the clanging of a thousand anvils if ere i die it be mine no more to hear the fledgling birds telling their tiny beads of song among the branches the milky call of calves to cows standing utter deep in the meadow and the lazy bass of the deep reply the high treble of lambs upon the hillside now dying down upon the wind to a trembling sigh now assailing the ear in a very storm of gusty and quavering plaint if it be mine to hear all these no more yet give me ere i die o god at least to hear the patter of little feet upon the stairs the soft pounding of wee fists upon my door the babble of a baby mother's chats and confidences and chidings among her dolls the chiming of child laughter rippling and intermittent as of wind-swayed silver bells among the flowers from garden and meadow and lane the soft intaking of a baby's breath what time the flushed cheek lies warm against my bosom the placid sigh when the little one stirs in its sleep the wee fretful wail which changes to low crooning and ceases contentedly as the baby's lips end their search and settle down to that sweet indrawing at thought of which even now this milkless bosom tingles and thrills god of mercy christ of consolation hadst thou been woman as we are thou hadst taken pity on us and pardoned us ere this lord in our ears there sounds the wailing of little souls unborn little souls shut out and prisoned from the sunlight in some far place more drear and cruel than any imagined purgatory in which the souls of men and women who have lived and died must suffer for their sins and as those who have taken life think that they see ghost forms beckoning to them from afar so are we haunted by souls unborn yet not unslain we who should have been their mothers have become as it were their murderesses since because of our sins they are denied the gift of life and ever these little ghosts haunt us little frightened faces look out at us from the dark little eyes grown weary of watching for the mother who never comes follow us wistfully into the daylight little forms oh so cold creep close to us at night crying out vainly for the warmth and food and comfort which we may not give dear god father of the saviour take back this curse from us add if it be thy will anguish to anguish labor to labor increase if so it seem good to thee the travail and the pain a thousandfold but have pity on us and pardon us and of thy mercy give us a child she ceased and my dream dimmed but ere it passed i heard the sound of many women sobbing in the night Four when next in my dream i looked upon the world it seemed to me that yet another ten years had passed that thirty years had gone by since any new child new bird new beast new creature of any sort had come to bring new life into the veins of an aging world 
these ten years had worked a terrible change when travellers who have visited the ruins of some dead city of the past wish to convey a sense of utter desolation they tell us that in the streets and public places grass was growing there grew no grass in the deserted streets of london when in my dream i looked upon the great city for every manner of green thing was dead what had once been parks were now deserts of dust or caked clay every sign of shrub and flower was gone what had once been avenues of trees were now rows of jagged stumps which when the branches had rotted and fallen none had been at the trouble to remove unsightly grisly objects they still stood on either side of the roadway like decayed stumps in the jaws of an unclean hag offal and refuse had gathered in the corners of the city blown scraps of straw and paper littered the streets nine-tenths at least of the buildings were tenantless and bills declaring that this commodious residence or that double-fronted shop was to be sold or to be let grinned mockingly through windows some broken and all grimed with dirt as if in enjoyment of the jest of offering houses in which to dwell shops wherein to vend merchandise to a world which was so soon to end in keeping with the silence and tomb-like aspect of the city was the singular whiteness which the houses and public buildings had now assumed as for some years all manufactures had ceased and shops and factories were consequently closed the pall of smoke which formerly lay over london was gone and for the first time i saw the great city glittering in the smokeless morning air the houses and buildings which had once worn the city's soot-coloured livery had in the absence of smoke been rain-washed from black to grey and from grey to white and now stood bleaching in the sun like tombstones in a cemetery dust and decay were upon everything so deserted was the place that when here and there a solitary man or perhaps a man and a woman walked in what had once been a noisy thoroughfare the uncanny clattering and echoing of their footsteps could be heard long after they had passed had it been a waking instead of a dream world on which i was looking i should probably have asked myself whether it were possible that from such a cause so great a change could come whether in thirty years a world which had ceased to bring forth children would already be approaching extinction or would let its cities thus come to ruin i have said too that in my dream i saw the world a-dying for so at the time it seemed to me yet when as must now be recorded i learned in my dream that in some parts of the world life was but at its morning that nations multiplied in numbers and waxed greater in strength i saw no cause for wonder in a dream though all be inconsistent and contradictory we ask no question and though i have said that in my dream london seemed to me a deserted city of the dead yet when in my dream i entered the cathedral of st paul and saw a great congregation gathered together i was not conscious of any sense of wonder or surprise under the dome a space had been cleared in the middle of which a venerable man was kneeling in prayer surrounded on every side by a vast congregation of men weighty are the words of the dying he said wherefore lord god we ask thee to give ear already we are a dying race our very existence menaced among the nations 
for thirty years no child has been born to us whereas the yellow races so multiply and increase that even now they overrun the world out of africa india australia have they driven us and now of all our empire of which we once boasted that upon it the sun never set this our england only is left and even now they are at our doors they who were once our slaves threaten to become our masters they whom we despised as heathen and uncivilized now hold christendom and civilization in thrall they have boasted and called their gods to witness that of the women of england they will make daughters of shame of the men of england bondsmen and slaves to work a taskmaster's will god of christendom wilt thou suffer this thing to come to pass take back the curse which thou hast laid upon us give us but one sign that thou hast heard and pardoned and we will go forth in thy strength to do battle with our enemies and to overcome but hear us and haste thee for even now the heathen are at our gates five once more i passed out into the sunshine and as inside the cathedral a great congregation of men was gathered so outside gathered an even greater congregation of women to whom a woman was then speaking dear sisters she said let us not forget that us women god hath supremely honored since of a woman he who is the world's saviour was born at god's altars men may minister but ere those altars were builded god had made of our knees a thrice holier altar at which god's children first bowed themselves in prayer by man's voice god may speak to the nations but to the lips of god the ear of every mother is laid wherefore is ours the greater sin in that we have refused to listen wherefore is ours the greater shame in that some of us have forgotten the seal of chastity which god set upon us when he chose a woman for the white casket which should bear to earth the heavenly pearl of god's incarnate son let us therefore be constant in prayer before him by whom all women are dear and sacred since him in anguish and travail a woman bore him ere yet he was born a woman saluted as the saviour which was to come him thereafter good women hailed lord and master faithful even when the chosen of his disciples forsook him and fled first at the sepulchre at last beside him at the cross dear sisters small wonder is it that we women bend the knee in worship and love to him who is not only our saviour and our god but our elder brother our defender and our friend and when had women such a friend as he to him the very harlot might come knowing that because of her womanhood he held her honoured and holy to him the precious ointment wherewith the magdalen anointed him for his burial was less precious than her tears when to him they brought the woman taken in sin for her he had no word of condemnation save go and sin no more whereas at those who cried out that she be stoned he thundered that terrible indictment he that is without sin among you let him first cast a stone at those words they saw themselves branded before god and man for the unclean things they were and shrank away one by one from that avenging presence and from the challenging purity of those eyes small wonder i say that all that is holy in humanity should compel us to kneel to such a master small wonder that all that is hateful and hypocritical should cry out away with him crucify him to the cross 
sisters he hears us still though we be sinful even as she whom he bade to go and sin no more sisters let us kneel to him in prayer that he may intercede for us to our father and his for a moment the woman ceased as still standing she raised piteous hands to heaven and then while some knelt some stood some flung themselves face downward to the ground her voice broke out again in prayer lord god of the living and of the dead hear and save thou wast the god of our fathers and of our fathers fathers of our mothers and of our mothers mothers even as thou wast ours ere we in our waywardness and wilfulness turned aside lord we are like foolish children who would be women and men and so wander from home thinking of their own puny strength to battle with and to conquer the world but when bleeding and faint and by the world cruelly mistreated they would crawl home again were it only to die too often they have wandered so far that they can find no way back and we lord have wandered so far from home and heaven and thee that we stand alone in the world orphaned even of god thou knowest that we women have no strength in ourselves alike in girlhood womanhood wifehood motherhood if only by our very woman's nature we more even than men have constant need of thee since to our human comprehension it is not possible to picture what thou art thou permittest us to think of thee as our father perhaps because when we think of motherhood we think most of love when we think of fatherhood we think of love allied to strength yet know we well that even as thou art incomprehensibly three in one and one in three so art thou mystically and incomprehensibly two in one and one in two thou art our mother no less than our father and sometimes to us women it seems as if there were more of motherhood in god than of aught else as if only a woman could understand the heart of god we women carry our child long time under our heart even as thou hast carried us next to thine we women fashion our children of our body feed them with our own life suckle them at our breasts even as thou fashionest and feedest and sucklest us for their sake we yield ourselves and gladly to suffer even as thou o god of suffering didst sorrow and suffer upon the cross for us for them it may even be that we are called upon to lay down our lives even as thou lord of love didst lay down thy life for us because thou didst lay down thy life for us we ask thee to forgive because thou didst lay down thy life for us we beseech thee to show us thy mercy because thou didst lay down thy life for us we beseech thee to give us a child god our father god our mother god our saviour we beseech thee to give us a child and from that great assembly went up a cry of sterile anguish infinitely more terrible than the cry of a woman in labour god our father god our mother god our saviour we beseech thee to give us a child six the woman ceased as if strength had gone out of her the uplifted arms dropped like dead weights and hung heavy and inert at her sides the head which had been thrown back so that her face looked heavenward slowly fell forward over her breast she stood there rocking backwards and forwards monotonously weeping meanwhile the very picture of despair 
and again the cry welled up to heaven god our father god our mother god our saviour we beseech thee to give us a child and then it seemed to me as if unseen of all there stood among them one whose hands and feet and side were wounded as if unheard of all he spoke words that were like the death cry of a god o sisters o daughters o children think ye that i whom your every cry crucifies afresh have heard unheeded think ye there is any sorrow of yours that i share not and may not share dear mothers who have looked on the little dead face of the child that was so young and yet had seemed to have been part of yourself from all time the child whom perhaps ye laid cold in his coffin clad in the white garments you had worked to keep warm his tiny body in the cot dear mothers know ye not that never woman mourned a little one gone but my heart break at the sight of her sorrow and you dear daughters dear childless women who desire and entreat the pangs of travail crying out let this body of mine endure a thousandfold the anguish if only ere i die i may clasp to my bosom body of me blood of me soul of me a very child mine 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 in this world the next world mine for ever and all time so have you spoken many of you but think you that any of you have yearned for a child of the body as i in the body have yearned to call one single child my own yet may not since every child in the world is mine behold now i who share your sorrow as no woman be she mother sister daughter or friend has shared woman's sorrow before i kneel with you to intercede for you to the god who is my father and yours again as of old time in the garden he knelt in prayer and as he prayed so terrible was his agony that once again beads of a bloody sweat stood out upon his brow upon such awful sight god wrestling with god in prayer it was not for human eyes to look and turning away i fell with bowed head and closed eyes to the ground how long i remained thus i know not but suddenly there came to me the sense of something unaccustomed in the world what meant this new sweetness in the air this strange stirring as it were at the heart of old earth this loosening as of bonds this feeling as of a gentle thaw after iron months of frost lifting my head with open eyes i gazed around the sacred figure of the saviour was gone but looking at the spot where he had knelt and where his tears had fallen i saw sweeter surer pledge of god's forgiveness than the covenant bow the tender verdure of new grass the wonder of white flowers abloom and as the breaking crest of a wave whitens in the wind so suddenly in the sunshine i saw a living green break foam-like over the brown and barren fields and tip with emerald fire the dead branches of bush and tree and by this sign men and women knew that into a dying world new life had entered into a dying race the promise of a child had come and to heaven went up a great cry christ has pleaded god has pardoned and with that cry ringing anthem-wise in my ears i awoke from my dream of a world without a child to hear the sweet clamour of a little voice calling father dear father at my door end of a world without a child end of visions by colson kernahan